second day of spring to everybody. It is nice to know that everything's blooming and whether you can see it with your eyes or feel it with your nose or your eyes, um, spring has arrived and it is great to see sunshine and it's great to see your smiling faces as we can sing and rejoice together and even heard a little hand clapping there and just let you know that is that is okay. It's biblically approved and so um, you can hand clap, you can raise your hands, you can worship how you would choose to worship the Lord and just express yourselves. But it is good to be here. It is good to see each one of you. And those of you that are joining us online, it's good to see you. I know we have folks that are here locally and we have folks that are um, other places in the world that are online with us. And so welcome and good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. As you saw the video earlier, we're still um, collecting our offering for Annie Armstrong for North American Missions supports missionaries such as that couple who move from where they were to the place God calls them for the purpose of sharing the gospel and in that particular case I'm bringing new life to uh, an existing church and I just want you to know that it's not too late to give that your gifts impact um, mission work in Canada United States and Mexico and we um, treasure the opportunity to partner with those missionaries that work in those those areas speaking of working in areas. Easter is coming up. It's just two weeks from from today. And I want to invite you on on the next two Wednesday evenings at 6.30, weather permitting, to join me and Deborah and Samara here at the church. And we are going to to prayer walk in our neighborhood. 
it's a great combination of prayer and exercise. It's simply what it says. Prayer walking is praying while walking, and we're just going to walk through our neighborhoods praying, asking for the Lord to bring his blessings on the people that live around us and to bring um, the good news of salvation to them. So that's the next two Wednesday evenings at 630. We'll meet here at the church, and we'll just head out in the neighborhood and walk and pray. Men, just encourage you, men's breakfast Mondays, um, 6.30 at Elk Diner. And as always, just a reminder about our noon, 11 o'clock Bible study on Wednesdays. Um, we're working through the Gospels, and we'll be looking, finishing up looking at the book of Mark this week. And so you're welcome to join us, and we take time to, to pray and share prayer needs with one another. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5, and I'm going to read down through verse 11 before we take time to pray together. And Paul, in in writing to the Philippians, in in chapter 2, starting in verse 5, gives this instruction, "...have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped." but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Will you join me as we pray this morning? God, we come before you in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name in heaven and earth and under the earth. The name that is above all names. Jesus, you are Lord. You are Lord of this place. You are Lord of all things. And we thank you for your presence here with us this morning, for the privilege to gather together and to worship. We thank you that we have this privilege and this opportunity. And so, Lord, we ask that you would prepare our hearts this morning to meet with you, to fellowship with you, that we would lay aside distractions, we would lay aside problems, we would lay our burdens and our worries at your feet, and we would worship you. Lord, we ask for your work to be done in our hearts and in our lives this morning. And God, we know that you love your church and you love the whole world. And Lord, we ask for an outpouring of your love and your grace on your church, on the world, that your mercy would continue to be shown and your love would be made known through believers. God, that you would change our hearts. Place your hand on us. Lord, lead us where you would want us to go. And Lord, we ask for your forgiveness where we fall short, where we have rejected you, your word, and your ways, where we've fallen in love with the gods of this world, where our sins have hurt you, grieved you, angered you. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us Lord, we ask that you would restore fellowship with us. And Lord, that you would speak to us and use us. And Lord, on behalf of people 
outside of these walls, Lord, we pray for you to bring repentance from wickedness. That as they see your mercy, that they would turn to you. Lord, that your face would shine upon them and you would bring deliverance. Lord, that you would provide freedom for the captives. That you would fill the earth with your glory and that the whole world would worship you and you alone. And Lord, in this moment, in this time, on this little spot on earth that you've placed us, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us this morning?
we get many more people up there, we're going to have to have a traffic cop come and give us directions of how to get down after we, uh, we get finished. My goodness, but I'm so thankful that so many folks are, are interested and gifted I'm in the area of, of music and that help us as we, we worship. It's always a blessing each week to see what, what God does, does through that, and I know it's a blessing to you, each one of you as well. I'm going to need to remind you of a couple of things that I didn't remind you of earlier. If you have your, your bulletin, they're in the center section of your bulletin. Uh, first of all is we are collecting new and gently used clothes for teenagers, both boys and girls, to send to Honduras to Casa Cielo. And we'll be collecting those through um, the end of April. So if you have some, some clothes you would like to bring and to donate, you can just bring them to the church. You can give them to me or, or to Deborah, or you can just leave them in the foyer. And if you're, um, we'll try to get a sign up where you'll know where to put them. But we're going to ship those um, first part of May. And the kids continue to grow, um, and they're doing well. But there is a constant need for, for clothes. So if you would like to participate in that, um, just bring those clothes. Also, the second thing is we are going to have another opportunity to show blessing and appreciation to the staff and faculty at Nichols Middle School. That's our local middle school that's just down the road. And that is coming up on Thursday. And if you are available, there are two opportunities to serve. Um, you can be here at 10 o'clock or at 1.30. Both of them will be in the, the youth building out back. Um, bring a paintbrush if you have one. And if you have any specific um, questions, you can um, contact Deborah Williamson about that. But it's a good opportunity to work on something to show appreciation or to donate clothing. Um, I was thinking as we were singing that if you, um, if you don't have one of these at your house, um, you might want to get one. Um, it's a hymnal. And um, some of you may not even know what a hymnal is because you grew up in the age when everything was on the screen. But I have found throughout my days that I have learned so much from reading the verses of hymns. And today, as we study God's Word together, you're going to hear some, some lyrics, some words from hymns, because they teach us. And since they're set to a melody, we're more likely to remember things. And probably, whether you realize it or not, some of the things you know about church, if you grew up singing hymns, you learned from singing hymns. So I encourage you, if you don't have one, you, know, you can pick them up. They're only about 8 or 10 bucks. Or I would gladly loan you one on permanent loan if you need one. We have some extras. If you would like one, just let me no. Um, we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark this morning. We're going to read just a few verses in Mark chapter 8. But let me remind you, in case you didn't remember earlier, we are two, way, two weeks away from Easter Sunday. Next week will be what we traditionally call Palm Sunday. It will also be our joint service with our brothers and sisters from the Congolese congregation. And we'll also have opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And so that's coming up two weeks away. Easter will be here before we know it. So if you haven't, you know, shopped and bought your Easter dress or your Easter shirt, you still have time to do it, but go quickly. But during these last few weeks, we've been working on an overview of the Gospels for our 11 o'clock Bible study on Wednesdays. And we were, we've been looking, we looked at Matthew, and now we're into Mark. And I was reading through just the different times that Jesus told his disciples, either directly hey, guys, I'm going to Jerusalem. They're going to arrest me. I'm going to be crucified, and then I'm going to rise again, or indirectly, you know, like unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, that Jesus would tell his disciples that he was going to die. He was going to the cross, but he was going to rise again. And I got really excited and seriously humbled when I realized that 
Jesus walked that road to the cross for me. And he walked it for, for you. And I started reflecting on what a wonderful Savior we have, what a mighty God we have, that he went to the cross for you, he went to the cross for me, he went to the cross for all of the world. Because the Bible tells us, for as many as did receive him, he gave the right to be called children of God, adopted into his family. But I started thinking about that cross, how cruel it is, how harsh of a punishment it was. And the fact that it was the only way for God to redeem us from our sin and to free us from from death. And so that cross that, that seems ugly and horrible and terrible is actually beautiful, you'll see in songs. It's wondrous and it's necessary. We just sang a beautiful song a few minutes ago. And one of the verses, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. Not in part, but the whole. Was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, from it is well. And as we read these verses, I want you to feel the weight, feel the emotion, feel your spirit being touched by the fact that Jesus had to go to the cross for you, for me, and for all the world. But let's read from God's Word together. We're in Mark chapter 8, and you'll recognize this story as Jesus and the disciples gather at a place called Caesarea Philippi. Starting in chapter 8, verse 27. It says, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, what do, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter, Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of of man. Will you pray with me? Oh, Father, this morning we ask that you would help us to set aside the things of man and turn our hearts toward the things of you. Lord, help us to hear your voice speak to us through the truth of your word. And may it change us and transform us to be more like Jesus and bring you great glory and praise. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So simply this for this morning, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus are the center point of the gospel. The very center point, the hinge pin of the gospel is the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now let's just set the context just for a little bit. We read the scriptures earlier. Peter makes this great confession of who Jesus is. You are the Christ, 
the Son of the living God, saying without a doubt, you know, we guys, we the disciples believe that you are the Messiah. You're the one who came to set the captives free. You're God's Son. And in other, the other Gospels, in Matthew, we read that Jesus says, you know, good, that, that was revealed to you by, by God himself. And what a great truth that was now in the minds of the disciples that Jesus is the Christ. And based on that, Jesus begins to teach. And what did he teach? He simply taught that it was necessary for Jesus referring to himself as the Son of Man, to suffer, to die on the cross, and after three days to rise again. He began to teach them. He had some new information that he needed to communicate to them. It's about six months before he goes to the cross. And in that time, he repeats this lesson three times. This time there's no parables, there's no hidden language, there's no symbolism, but he speaks to them, the scripture indicates, openly and clearly. He takes them aside and he teaches them about what is going to happen. He needed them to know what it meant to be the Messiah. And as we read those verses, verse 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer, very important word, many things, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. You see, they had believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but he wasn't the deliverer they were expecting. See, Jewish history, Jewish religion was expecting this great political military leader. Somebody that was going to come in, defeat all of Israel's enemies, and make things right. And so when the Jewish religious leaders, those elders, those priests, those scribes, looked at Jesus, they quickly realized in their minds, according to their theology, which was flawed, okay, that this Jesus didn't meet the qualifications. He's not the Messiah. And so they began to say that they needed to do something about this Jesus because he was starting to cause trouble. And so they plotted to kill him. They accused him of being blasphemous because he would dare say that he was the Son of God. But while those religious leaders are working on something they think is a problem and their solution is killing Jesus, God intended to solve an even bigger problem. You see, God had a plan that Jesus must suffer. He must die and he would rise again. Because on your outline, the first thing you need to see is that Jesus came to be Savior of the world. It's basic. It sounds simple. And you probably think, well, why do we even need to know that? Well, we need to know it because it's something we can never forget and we always need to be reminded of. That the greatest rescue mission known to man was God sending His only Son from heaven to earth to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. We read great and incredible rescue stories about miners being rescued out of wells, people being rescued at sea, or these daring missions where SEAL Team 6 goes in and extracts someone. But no greater rescue mission exists than God sending His own Son to earth to meet the most desperate need of any man. You see, we stand... Without Jesus, we stand separated by our sin from God. 
Now, it didn't start with you, but it affects you. It started in the garden with Adam and Eve. Remember that? The whole situation with the serpent and the apple. And all of a sudden, sin enters the world. And the relationship, the perfect relationship, is damaged. Fellowship with God is broken. And there became the need for the first time in the world for reconciliation. How could God and man be back together? And still today, every man, every woman is a sinner. And we're sinners by nature, and we're sinners by choice. And that sin does something. It separates us from God because God is holy and and sin is everything that's not holy. And because of that sin, you and I deserve death. That's what the Scripture says. That's what our wages is. That's what we deserve for our sin is death. That's bad news. And bad news makes us wonder, what can we do that could make it not so bad? And some of us, we try to just be better. I'll just do good. I'll be better next time, or I'll try a little bit harder. But we come to realize eventually that we can't save ourselves. No one has ever been able to save themselves. But there's good news. And that is that the loving Father had a plan. He didn't come up with a plan. He didn't find one along the way. No, he had a plan that the Lamb of God would be slain from the foundation of the world. That Jesus would be the Savior. And John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God had a plan and it was a good plan. Romans 5.8 in the Phillips translation tells us this, that The proof of God's amazing love is this, that while, that it was while we were sinners that Christ died for us. And so God sent out of His love His only Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to bring what? To bring salvation. And Jesus came as perfect God and man together to be the Savior. And He came as an obedient Son. You read through the Bible and you find something that's true, that Jesus always did the will of His Father and He did it perfectly. No mistakes, no hiccups. He was tempted, He was tried in every way, but He was found without sin. But He literally lived to do God's will. That's why the Bible says, you know, when Jesus talks about it, He says, you know, my bread, my nourishment is to do the will of the One who sent me. Now, it's hard for us to imagine anybody that could ever be absolutely obedient in every way. I mean, even the best kid at school that you just wanted to, you know, whack upside the head or pinch his nose or something because he was the little do-gooder or the little do-good girl, even they had those moments when they were not obedient. But yet Jesus walked in perfect obedience all of his days. And he walked that path of obedience all the way to the cross. Those verses we read earlier in Philippians tell us that he was obedient even to death on the cross. And he did it with joy. It pleased his soul to do what God intended for him to do. We read in Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to this verse 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus was this 
Savior of the world. And it was time for him to further reveal his mission to his followers because there was a broken earth that needed mending, a world full of lost sons and lost daughters that needed to be reunited with a loving Father. And so Jesus, the obedient Son, came to be the Savior of the world. And Jesus began to teach clearly what he'd only hinted at earlier, that if he was going to be the Savior of the world, he would have to suffer and die. But his death wouldn't be the end of the story. He would rise again. And you see, in what Jesus taught in verse 31, the second thing is that Jesus suffered and died to pay the penalty for our sin. Listen to these words. They're all, um, it says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. So you have suffer, rejected, killed to solve the problem of what? Our sin. Whether you believe it or not, whether the world believes it or not, whether the world likes it or does not like it, the whole world is in bondage to sin. Scripture's clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of that sin, what we deserve for our sin, is death. The Bible's also very clear that sin is sin. One little sin. One big sin. One hundred little sins. One hundred big sins. It's all sin. And any sin, even one sin, separates us from God. So you have the angry person and the murderer. You have the lustful person and the adulterer. Both stand equally guilty before God. And that sin has to be dealt with. It's like an open wound. Because if you don't deal with it, you'll be forever separated from God. You can't justify it. Well, I did this because, or I wouldn't have done that if they hadn't. You can't explain it away. Well, you know, the reason I did this was you can't hide it. You can't sweep it under the rug. You can't, you know, put on a fresh set of clothes or act really good and have a big smile. And you can't do enough good things. You can't mow enough yards. You can't help enough little old ladies across the street. You can't do enough good things. Because the Bible's clear. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And so Jesus came to be the perfect, sinless sacrifice. And He shed His own blood for our sin. When I say our, don't let that just escape your mind. But remember when we say our, that includes me and that includes you. And the reason is because redemption comes at a cost. There's a price to pay. The price was death. The way that God would reconcile sinners to himself was through the death of Jesus because everybody stands guilty before God. We're slaves to sin. But listen to these words from to God be the glory. O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest, worst offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon received. The blood of Jesus paid the price for our sin 
secured our redemption, where we could receive a pardon. It gives us freedom. And that freedom from sin, Jesus is trying to teach the disciples they won't fully know until they receive the Holy Spirit, but that this deliverance would not come from a political, military leader. But as Philippians says, but it would be from the one who emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus came to die as a servant, a suffering Messiah that would secure victory. If you have your Bible, you can flip back to the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 53. In Isaiah 53, the Lord gives Isaiah a vision, and he writes and records this song. It's one of the four servant songs in Isaiah, but it's the song of the suffering servant. The suffering servant from the very early days was known to be this Redeemer who would come one day to Zion to redeem them, to be the Messiah. But while all the Jewish nation was looking for a powerful, glamorous, victorious military leader, verse 3 tells us this. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse 4, surely. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. See, Jesus is the man of sorrows. He's the suffering servant. And as another hymn relates to us, humbled and rejected, beaten and despised, upon the cross the Son of God was slain. Just like a lamb to slaughter, a sinless sacrifice. But by His death, His loss became our gain. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so this perfect God-man, Jesus, paid the perfect price that was sufficient for our sin. But that wasn't the end. Jesus kept on teaching them. And the third thing you need to see is that Jesus rose from the dead to proclaim victory over sin and death. You see, when Jesus teaches his disciples, he tells them that he would, be die. he would die. He would be buried. But after three days, he would rise again. If you read these stories in Matthew and Luke, you'll notice that While Mark uses after three days, Matthew and Luke use the phrase on the third day. 
You can look at it for yourself. But essentially, they mean the same thing. That there would be three days and he would rise on the third day. Now, Jesus taught these things. And at the moment, the disciples didn't really understand. And you know they didn't understand because immediately after his death on the cross, you find them frightened and afraid, bewildered and not understanding. You see, they thought it was all over when Jesus was taken down from the cross and they sealed him in that tomb. Then after his resurrection and his ascension, after the outpouring of the Spirit, their eyes are opened and everything becomes clearer. You see, when Jesus rose from the dead, it proved that he was God. It proved everything that he claimed to be true. They weren't just sayings. They weren't just, you know, wishful things. They were truth. Romans 1.4 in the New Living Translation tells us this. He was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. So it was a declaration, a testimony to the fact that he was God. See, God is the giver of life. He's the one who works the miracle of life at conception, that works the miracle of life when a seed is put into the ground and it sprouts and grows. And only God can conquer death. No one has. No man has ever conquered death. And so when that empty tomb was there, all of Jesus' claims were proved true. Proved he was God, but also his resurrection declared that his victory, declared his victory over sin and the grave. Two very powerful enemies, sin and death. Two things that man can do nothing about apart from themselves. And the Bible tells us that death was swallowed up in victory and the power of sin was broken. And there's some other wonderful results we don't have time to look at in detail, but it guaranteed the promised coming of the Holy Spirit. It's a promise of what lies ahead for those who trust in Jesus, that if he be raised, we will be raised one day. And it brings hope and peace and comfort still today. You may not be an art aficionado. I'm not even sure I know what aficionado means, but it just kind of rolled off my tongue. I'm I'm not sure you're an art person, but you may have heard of the name Michelangelo. Um, He's more than one of the Ninja Turtles. If you're, um, (laughs) he actually painted some really cool things, made some sculptures. He painted the Sistine Chapel. And one day he was pretty critical of his fellow artists. And he said something accustomed to this. We don't know exactly, but from what we read from history, apparently he asked them, why do you keep on filling galleries with endless pictures of one theme of Christ and weakness, Christ on the cross, and most of all, Christ hanging dead? Why do you concentrate on this passing episode as if it were the last work, as if the curtain dropped on him with disaster and defeat? The last The dreadful scene lasted a few hours, but to the unending eternity, Christ is alive. And during that period of time, you would just see, if you look through 
art from that time, and I did Google search it a little bit just to see. There's picture after picture after picture, and it's Jesus on the cross, Jesus on the cross. Michelangelo stood out because he began to do sketches and paintings and drawings of Jesus resurrected. And listen to what Michelangelo says. The stone has been rolled away, and he rules and reigns and triumphs. You see, we do have a Savior who died for us, but we also serve a Savior who is risen, and He has ascended, and He is at the right hand of the Father. So let me give you one last hymn. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened heart found liberty at Calvary. You see, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus are the center point of the gospel. It was the only way God could bring salvation to the world. When Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, He's asking God if there's any other way that this cup of suffering, this cup of death, would be removed. If there was any other way to save the world, don't you think if there were that God would have at that moment yielded and brought in another plan of action? But see, the truth is there was no other way. Without the death and the resurrection of Jesus, there would be no salvation. We'd still be dead in our sins. There'd be no resurrection for us. And our faith, Corinthians tells us, would be worthless. But Jesus, because of his love for God and his love for us, willingly went to the cross. He declared after praying, not my will, but yours be done. The cross was the only way. Jesus had to suffer. He had to be crucified. And he had to rise on the third day. But he made peace by the blood of his cross, Colossians tells us. And Romans 6.10 tells us that when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. And because he is risen, believers will rise with him one day. Because he defeated death and hell, he secured salvation for everyone that puts their trust in him. You see, Jesus died on the cross and rose on the third day, ascended to heaven to be the Savior of the world. And when we're confronted with this truth, it demands a response. What should I do? Two things, and we're done. First thing is come to the cross. It starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. It's where you yield your life to the one who died for you. Yielding your life, you say, God, I don't have it all figured out. I don't understand everything, but I know two things. I am, as John Newton said, a great sinner, and you are a great God. And I yield myself to you. And you come to him, and you confess that he is Lord, and he is Savior, and that you're a sinner, and you need his help, and you place your faith and your trust in him. And what you receive is mercy and grace and forgiveness. You may have already done that but you can never be reminded of it too many times. And you can come to the cross today. The second thing is to carry your cross daily. If you review these stories in the Gospels, 
in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you read these stories, each one tells about three different times that Jesus tells his disciples he's going to the cross. And following those times, he teaches them valuable lessons about humility, about service, about what greatness is. But in Mark, he teaches them that in response to this suffering, crucified Messiah, that his followers should take up their cross daily and follow him. And so carry your cross daily. What does that mean? It means that you you die to yourself, your self-will, your thoughts, your attitudes, and you surrender what you have to Jesus. Because what he has is always better, even though we don't see it at the time. Now, you may think, well, that's going to cost a lot. Yeah. But let me tell you this. The blessing will always exceed what you give up. Because Jesus always has something better. I close with this. It's lines from another hymn. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. Will you pray? with me. Father, we are thankful that the way of the cross truly does lead home. It was true when that was written and it's still true today that you came to earth. You lived a perfect life. You suffered. You died. You were buried in a tomb and you rose again and you ascended to heaven to be the Savior of the world. It was necessary. It had to happen. There was no other way. But we're so glad you did. Because apart from that, we would be lost. That we would be separated from you for all eternity. And we would endure a spiritual death that lasts forever. But God, thanks be to God who gives us the gift of eternal life through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So God, this morning in our hearts, pray you would help us as we consider these two simple commands to come to the cross and to carry our cross daily. As we sing together, impress that on our minds and call us to response. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We do have opportunity to sing together, to respond. I'll be standing at the front if you need to speak with someone, if you want to pray at the front and kneel, or if you just want to stay where you are, but I do invite you to consider those two things, to come to the cross and to carry your cross daily. Will you stand with us as we sing?
Amen. It is it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Let me just remind you three quick things. Wednesday evening, 6.30, if you are available to, to prayer walk. We're going to prayer walk our neighborhood the next two weeks, weather permitting. Um, Thursday, if you are available to help work on the project to bless Nichols Middle School, um, 10 o'clock and 1.30, or you're welcome to stay for both. I think the information indicates if you need more information about that, you can contact Deborah Williamson. And the third thing is, oh, clothes. If you want to bring clothes to donate um, for teenagers, for Honduras, for Castillo, just be sure and bring those if you have any questions about that. Or if you maybe just want to give money toward shipping, you can um, do that through the church office, or you can see Deborah or me as well. Just thank you for, for being here. It's always a pleasure to, to worship with you all. And pray the Lord's blessings on you today, and look forward to seeing you the next time we do. We're going to sing together, and when we sing, um, you're free to go. Mm-hmm.